13th August, 1940. As I was watering the plants earlier today, I watched as the sun climbed higher and higher, eventually tucking itself between the clouds and the open sky. I think it's beautiful how the sun always knows exactly where it needs to be. It's been three years, three years of living in the city. I'm so grateful for where destiny has led me. For once, Lady Luck did not fail me. In fact, my luck continues to flourish. I don't exactly know why, but I know that I will do anything to keep it that way. I've even started following the rituals my friends abide by. Somehow, I found my place in this community. In fact, I was actually supposed to meet some friends this evening, but it's the 13th, so no visitations. Nothing good comes from the number 13. Besides, why risk my current life? I've got so much good going for me. A steady income, good circle of friends, people I care for. What more could I ask? A few weeks ago, after a typical long day of work and after washing my feet thoroughly, I was ready to hit the sack. I was so surprised to find a beautiful scarf neatly folded in a box and awaiting me in my chambers. My masters gave me a gift, and not just any gift, a lucky red scarf. I've since never forgotten it and I always carry it whenever I leave the house. All my friends have something red with them too. I was told that the color red brings luck, and I guess we can never have enough luck. But there's something else. Something that I'm almost too shy to admit. Sometimes while doing the house chores, I find my mind wandering. Day by day, my feelings grow stronger and I don't know what to do about it. I'm trying so hard to push these thoughts aside. I know, I know it's wrong, but it's harmless and nobody will ever know of it. Hello dear listener, and welcome back to the Rumah Mamawang podcast series. It's Iza again, and I hope you're all doing well and staying safe. So, this is the third episode, layer three, and judging from all the content I'm gathering from Nora's journals, it's safe to say I'm probably about halfway done with this case. Oh, we're halfway there. Jokes, I don't know if that's copyrighted. Now, this episode has a surprising amount of talk about mythical creatures, to be honest. But yes, before we dive into it, a brief recap since it's been so long since our last episode. So, as you all know by now, I found a bunch of old journals in my family storeroom by someone called Nora. As I read through them, I found out that she used to work for my great-grandparents and that she was also hella superstitious. I've gone on to discuss how superstitions are just so cool because of their origins and their evolutions, and how these quarantine times could lead to a new wave of them. And... Last episode, I talked about the little rituals Nora had set up and seemed to obsessively follow. I also shared my thoughts on them and how it could become unhealthy in a way. 
And I guess that's it for the quick refresher course. So at this point in the journals, Nora has settled in. She's gotten over the initial anxiety and paranoia that she lose a job after working for my great-grandparents for three years. She even seems to have a romantic interest, like, yes girl, get it. So yes, she seems happy and I'm honestly so glad for her. I also hadn't realized it back then, but I went back through the box just to make sure. And I realized I had found the red scarf all along. The one that she mentions in the entry? It was old and dusty as hell and it had been wedged into a far corner along with some other stuff and a clock. I gave them all a good cleaning and honestly, it was so worth it. The red from the scarf is faded and there are holes and tears, but the material is still soft and I knew it had been well loved by Nora. Just getting the chance to hold it in my hands, it all seemed so unreal and yet it solidified her realness to me somehow. I love the color red, but it doesn't hold the same significance to me as it did for Nora. For me, it's just a pretty color, but for her, it meant luck and prosperity like it does to so many people, especially those who follow the Chinese culture. So red and yellow in the Chinese culture are some of the lucky colors which I found. Red, as I'm sure you all have heard of and know, is an extremely auspicious color. It symbolizes success, beauty, vitality, happiness, and funnily enough, fertility. It's also believed to ward off evil. One story to explain its popularity came from the myth about a mythical beast, whose name I will not butcher. So this beast would devour livestock and people around Chinese New Year. But it was sensitive to loud noises and was scared of the color red. So it became a tradition to light firecrackers, perform the Chinese lion dance, and hang red lanterns and red scrolls to scare it off. Now yellow, on the other hand, corresponds to the earth, and it symbolizes power, royalty, and prosperity. It was a color reserved for the emperor. You'd have imperial palaces built from yellow tiles, you'd have yellow imperial robes and yellow carriages. I just found it funny that with all the decadence, you have another meaning where in Chinese Buddhism, yellow is associated with freedom from material needs and so monks wear yellow robes to commemorate that. But with good luck colors, it would make sense to have a bad luck color, right? The most stereotypical one would be black because it's the color one wears to western funerals and it just gives off a general somber mood to many. But could it be because of the association to black cats which are generally seen as bad luck? Like is that why black is a bad luck color to some? But yeah, in Celtic mythology there's a legend about a creature called the cat Sith. It was said to resemble a large black cat with a white spot on its chest. This giant black cat was said to have the ability to steal a person's soul before the gods could claim it by passing over a corpse before the funeral. And so in turn, watches were organized to keep the mythical creature away from said corpses. I guess with a name like the cat Sith, <laughs> I'm not too surprised at it being a little dark side. But yeah, black cats have been associated with witches. A belief that stemmed from the Middle Ages in Europe, which spread to the US with the first settlers and had strong believers even during the Salem witch trials. But some people still do see black cats as harbingers of good luck. In much of England, 
black cats crossing your path means good luck. And apparently the same goes for in Japan and Scotland. In the English Midlands, black cats were traditionally given as wedding gifts to bring happiness to the bride. And in Japan, single women who owned black cats were thought to be more attractive. I also found that legend has it that English monarch Charles I thought that his black cat was a source of luck for him, and is said to have lamented that his good fortune would end after his pet died. The day after his pet passed away, he was arrested and charged with high treason. It's kind of funny, <laughs> not gonna lie. But yeah, moving on. Nora mentioned not wanting to visit her friends because it was the 13th, which is actually a thing for some people. Fear of the number 13 is a pretty common superstition, not only in India, but across the world, where Friday compounds to 13 menace. People don't dare start a new activity or do something important or even embark on a new journey on the 13th of any month. The number 13 is notorious for bad luck and it seems to have originated from a surprising place, religion and folklore. Triskaidekaphobia, now try saying that three times, is the term for the fear of the number 13, which stems from the story of the Last Supper. Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, was the 13th to sit at the table, and as a result, bad luck has been equated to the number. But, believe it or not, that isn't the only story about a 13th guest at a, at a dinner table getting up to some, to put it plainly, hijinks. In ancient Norse lore, apparently, evil and turmoil were first introduced to the world and were brought upon by the appearance of the trickster god Loki at a dinner party in Valhalla. He was also the 13th guest. But aside from those stories, there's a bunch of other possible reasons for our distrust of the number. Among these are that traditionally the gallows had 13 steps, so apparently that was 12 up and 1 down. Kind of gruesome. And another reason is that apparently it's because women menstruate around 13 times a year. Another reason is that because 12 is such a perfect number and that the one right after it must be doomed to never live up to the same glory. So it's like, why mess with perfection? If you do, you will pay for your greed and your hubris. And lastly, a possible reason is that anyone with 13 letters in their names are cursed from birth. You may laugh, but apparently a bunch of serial killers have 13 letters in their names. For example, Charles Manson, Jack the Ripper, Jeffrey Dahmer, among many others. But fret not if you happen to have 13 letters in your name, because the unexplained fears surrounding the unlucky number 13 seem to be a primarily Western construct, which you can always choose to not believe in. Some cultures, including the ancient Egyptians, apparently actually considered the number lucky, while others have just switched out the unlucky numbers in their own cultures, like how much of Asia doesn't like the number four. Now back to Nora. So she also mentioned washing her feet just before bed, which is something I also do too, not gonna lie. I was never taught to follow it as a superstition, but for some it is. For me, it's purely about hygiene and my sleep routine. But according to one of the comments we've received, it was also meant to ward off nightmares. Now, a possible root for this particular superstition is that 
Apparently, it's a belief that as you go about your day, you can attract wandering spirits from various places that might follow you back home. The only way to get rid of these spirits is to wash your feet and also face quite thoroughly. So I guess it it all comes back down to hygiene, even if it's not like the hygiene hygiene we know, but maybe ghostly hygiene, you know, to keep away the spirits. I feel like as Asians, we have so many superstitions in place to ward off spirits because we see them as normal and we believe that we coexist with them. Like growing up, who hasn't been told by their family or their caretakers to get home before sunset while playing? Because if you didn't get home before sunset, then you would be taken away by the spirits. Like my grandmother was especially fond of scaring us with the story of the hantukope, and if you don't know what that is, then honestly you're so lucky. But yeah, I guess all the stories are just another way for parents to make sure their children are back and safe before nightfall. So with all of these superstitions, you'd wonder how do people get settled on the ones to believe in? Because there are such conflicting stories sometimes. Maybe your lucky number is someone's bad luck number. Well. It may all come down to something called a confirmation bias. It's a bias that involves favoring information that confirms your previously existing beliefs or biases. Now what does that mean? So let me try and explain it by giving you an example. So for example, you happen to be wearing the same pair of socks when you found money on the ground on separate occasions. Like these, re- these incidents are not related whatsoever. And you made the link to the two. So now every time you happen to wear the same pair of socks and you find something of value, you place greater importance on this evidence that supports what you believe in because it proves that those socks are your lucky socks and every time you wear them, you will find something of value. Confirmation biases impact how we gather information and how we look at situations. Studies have shown that people have a tendency to seek out information that confirms existing beliefs. Objectivity goes flying out the window as we seek out subjective facts that further prove the hypothesis we have drawn up in our heads and we believe in. We also remember situations differently because we interpret information differently. So it ends up supporting our initial beliefs. And so we remember details that help reinforce these beliefs and disregard whatever else does not fit the pattern. So going back to our example. So on those days you wore your lucky pair of socks and found nothing of value on the ground, you're more likely to forget those days. Now, confirmation bias can influence the decisions we make and may lead to poor or faulty choices because we miss out on the important information Like, maybe on the days you found some stuff on the sidewalk, maybe those were just the days you remembered to actually wear your glasses. Apparently, confirmation bias can occur from a direct influence of desire on beliefs. People want some things to be true. They want it so bad that they end up believing them to be true. And as a result, people stop gathering information when they already have all the evidence they need. Like with Nora, she believes her rituals have affected her luck, that she can actually manipulate how much good luck she can get. And so, 
she continues believing in her superstitions. But it could also be more like a placebo effect. Now, there is nothing that actually affects her good luck or none that we can prove outright. And yet, she, like so many others, had a lucky item, which in her case was her scarf. Now, people can create their own good luck charms and talismans, and it doesn't matter if it's actually blessed or whatever. All that matters is your belief. You just have to believe. There is no evidence it should give you a sudden influx of good luck if you take out your lucky rabbit's foot, for example. So if you were to take out your lucky rabbit's foot charm, but see, this may actually give you a boost in self-confidence that may allow you to perform better and thus sway things in your favor. So in a sort of roundabout way, by having a good luck charm or talisman, you can actually improve your chances or you can just help yourself by brightening your mood so the day doesn't seem so bad. So it ends up putting a more optimistic spin on things, which is why it may seem like good luck. But when in actuality, you may have just forgotten about the negativity in the moment. And it could feed into the cycle where success breeds superstitions. Studies by Hans Berman and Maxwell Zog conducted on Canadian scholastic athletes showed that senior players, better players, and more successful teams were more superstitious. Which could be why Nora ends up even more superstitious, because the rituals have yet to fail her, and an improving life only cements the belief that they're working. I guess it can be both a good and a bad thing. Good in the sense that having a good luck charm or ritual could boost self-esteem and self-confidence and help you feel better. And it could be bad if it becomes a dependency thing, as I keep saying. But I suppose to each their own. And that's all I have to say for today. Do leave a comment behind and let us know if you enjoyed this episode. What are your thoughts on it? Do you have a lucky number or color? And if you haven't, do follow us on Instagram at at Rumahmambawang for all the latest updates and some sneak peeks. Join me next episode as we find out more about Nora's mystery man. Hoo-hoo. But yes, without further ado, I bid you a good morning, good day, good evening, and good night. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Stay safe and take care. <laughs>